Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Well, good morning again, church family. Hopefully uh, you've had a good week. I know Thomas and I have. We are finally out of that stinking quarantine stuff, and Somehow I made it through the the fire. Um, took two tests. I'm I'm still been negative, and so I thank you for your prayers. I say somehow. I know exactly how. I've been covered in prayer. You guys knew I needed to be with family yesterday. Um, we were able to do our memorial service for our cousin Sarah yesterday. What a beautiful, beautiful time for our family to gather with cousins and just travel down memory lane together, um, and also figure out how old we all are. You know what I'm talking about when you have those kind of family gatherings. So this morning we're going to continue our series. Maybe this is your, your first morning to join us with this series, but we're doing a series based on a book that I've read called Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations by Robert Schnace. And we've talked the last two weeks about two things. First, we talked about the radical hospitality um, radical meaning drastically different from our ordinary practices. And, and as extravagant as that sounds, we, we talked about that radical hospitality actually happens sometimes in the simplest moments. Um, I shared the story yesterday uh, at my cousin's funeral of um, her radical hospitality when I was just a young girl. And it was a, a necklace that, you know, um, simple just necklace that a friend had given her and I made the comment of how much I liked it and and without even thinking a second thought she took that necklace off and put it around my neck radical hospitality just what we have in our hand at that moment that God is asking us to love on others the second thing we talked about that we need to practice to be able to have a fruitful congregation was passionate worship I hope that that just stuck in your brain this week on everything that you did worship we talked about was loving God with all our hearts with all our souls with all our strengths with all our minds every thing we do every decision we make every moment that we are um, walking our journey here on this earth should be a moment of passionate worship well this week we're looking at the practice of intentional faith development without sound it so so educational, didn't it? I, I feel important all of a sudden. But really, all that really means is being devoted to being together to grow in the Word of God. And so today, this is um, our last online week, hopefully, and so um, we're going to do another giveaway for Amazon cards again. And your word to put in the comments, your word today is together, together. That is your word to get your name in the drawing. Hopefully you have your Bibles there before you because you're at home and that's where you always leave your Bible, right? Because I don't see them on Sunday morning, so they have to be sitting there on your coffee table somewhere. So pick those Bibles up this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Hey, Bo, can I get the pulpit light? I was, I was feeling really old all of a sudden that I could not see the words. There we go. And come on, God said, let there be light. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Bo. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now hear me out. Any pastor 
would love telling you how great his or her congregation, his people are, when we're loving God and we're loving people, right? So that, that's the thing that we go by in this church. Everything has to be about loving God and, and loving people. But there's still this thing that happens. Congregations can still become stuck or stagnant, if you want to use that word, because they're not practicing intentional faith development. You know, we've talked about uh, the last couple of weeks some of John Wesley's ideas on preaching the word. And, and remember, he was radical about wanting to go out into the field so that people that were not coming into the churches, he could give them the message of hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, Wesley also knew how important it was once you become a believer to come together in small groups. And to study the word together, to learn uh, through the reading of God's word and sharing your life experiences together. You know, last week we read Luke chapter 10, 27 that said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Learning in a community setting, in a group setting, is not something that John Wesley created. It's not something that... The church, little church, I'm calling man, had created. In fact, it was simply something replicated by what we saw Jesus doing with his disciples. When you look at Jesus in the New Testament and, and how he would preach to the masses, right? Think about, you know, feeding of the 5,000. He's preaching to the masses and he would share things with them. But then we would get these scenes where he would step aside with his disciples, a select few. And they would begin to ask questions and then he would begin to open up more of the meaning of what he had just talked about. So we, we see this in Jesus' ministry and we replicate it in the church today. Because here's what happens. Grace, now listen to this, grace happens instantly when we surrender to God through Christ. That moment that we, we repent and we accept Jesus uh, for dying on the cross, you know, to break that bondage of sin in our life. And in that moment, grace happens instantly. But growth only happens when we become intentional in our faith. Have you ever joined a small Christian group to study together? Um, you know, maybe you can raise your hands in the comments. Let Thomas know. Yeah, I've done that. I've, I've studied with a small group before, right? Let me, let me just ask. When you were in those study groups, were you encouraged in any way? Did your knowledge of the word grow? In other words, did you learn something uh, in the Bible that maybe you had never known before, or maybe maybe you saw it in a different um, way because somebody explained it in a different way? Did you find community with other people and, and friendships that maybe you still have today just because of that first study group that you joined? And then my next question is, then what keeps us from joining groups together? Insecurities? And lack of knowledge. You know, I admit when I first started coming to church with Thomas when we were first dating, the thing I hated most was Sunday school. Because I felt like I didn't know what everybody else knew. 
I was sitting in a room full of people that had been raised. Y'all, everybody had went to children's church together. They grew up in all the kids' classes together, and now they were in the young adult class. I had none of that. I, I, I felt insecure because I didn't know what I thought everybody else knew. And I say that because sometimes we assume a lot for people. We assume they know more just because they've sat in this church longer. That does not mean they have studied their Bible longer. But we have these insecurities. What else keeps us from joining groups together? Fear of sharing our real self. We're not real good with being open and honest. Look on social media, because we all look pretty happy on social media, for the most part. And it's because we only share the good things. And so the thought of joining a Bible study just, oh, that seems a little open and raw. Like, I don't know that I could share all of the things I'm not good at. I don't know if I could share my shortcomings with other people. So insecurities, fear, those are things that play in our mind. But there's nothing, and I promise you, there is nothing greater, church, than sharing your hurts and your shortcomings with other people. And then you realize, wow, somebody else struggles the same way that I do. You see, your enemy, Satan, he has this plan. If he can get us separated, make us feel alone, then he can beat us up pretty good. But the moment we realize others struggle just like us, we begin to come back into the community. And there's strength in numbers, right? Stay together. I remember my mom when I would go off with friends, you know, when you didn't have cell phones, you couldn't track anybody. So your parents always gave you all the the do's and don'ts as you were walking out the door. And one thing my mom always said was, stay together. Stay in a group, stay with others. Stay with a friend. Don't, don't wander off by yourself. Because she knew when you're, you're off by yourself or when there's only a couple of you girls, then trouble can happen. Numbers, togetherness, community. It's how God, it's how God built us. It's who God is. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of wanting us to be with Him. So community is something that he wants us. Probably, if I could see a show of hands, if, if you were here in the room with me this morning and I ask, who wants to study their Bible? Who would love, who, who really wants to, you want to want to study the Bible more? I bet most, if not all, would raise their hands. Well, we have good intentions, right? <laughs> We say that a lot. And what's my saying? Knowing and doing are two different things. Maybe some were tired of seeing our daily post last year um, about the reading plan, whether it was something that um, made them feel bad because they had already given up, or or people that didn't even know our church and, and what was going on. But why did we do it? We did it for accountability. It helped keep us in check of, oh, I need to get back to reading. Like, it's okay to have grace. It's okay to give myself, you know, this was a tough week, but now I need to pick it back up. It was just that that one reminder as a group, and it kind of became a certain group of us that was always commenting on there. But people saw that. 
You know, when, when we study with a group, it gives us that community. It, it holds us accountable. And, and not only did it hold us accountable, I actually have others outside of our community, our church, other pastors like, what were y'all doing? Because, you know, we didn't, we didn't put a lot of detail on there. Just, hey, read my plan today. We didn't put the scripture. We didn't, you know, because we wasn't trying to force everybody else to do it kind of deal. But immediately, you know, when we started, I had people that would contact me that didn't go to our church, but they was like, hey, what is this plan and can we do it with you? That's what happens when we're in community. We see this in other areas of our lives, holding each other accountable. Um, one of the things we see a lot of today is wearable technology that you put on your wrist, right? Um, that will let you know how many steps you take. I had mine. I even had it charged, but I just didn't. I forgot to grab it on my way out this morning. But here's the deal. Last year when we went to Petagene and we were taking the Seven Hollows Trail, which is the five-mile trail, do it once in your life. What, seven-mile trail? Is that what you just told me? Oh, I blocked it out, amnesia, whatever. It's a long walk. That's all I can tell you, okay? Um, so we're on this walk, and it at the most inopportune time. Now, it's it, the trail is a beautiful trail. There's not a lot of treacherous things, but we was in a place that was a, a little more, you know, steep kind of deal. So at a most inopportune time, my wrist began to vibrate in a way I had never felt it before. And it kind of spooked me. And I almost lost my footing because of it. Because I did not know if it was like the final countdown and my wrist was fixing to blow. Like if you accept this mission and, you know, this mission, this message will self-destruct. It was that kind of like vibration. Never felt it before. It was my watch congratulating me on achieving my 10,000 steps. Which, mind you, had never happened before this moment. And it has never happened since this moment, just so you know. Um, so it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing for me. And I know some of you are saying, oh, you got to get those 10,000 steps. We could talk about that. It's, it's actually not real. Like, there's not a scientific thing about 10,000 steps other than get up and get moving. You see, the problem with this kind of accountability, I took it off and I've thrown it in a drawer and I really haven't worn it in a long time. Um, so, you know, it is accountability to me. But it's not something I'm intentional about. Intentional faith development. What does intentional mean? It refers to being deliberate effort, purposeful action towards an end or a high prioritization. In other words, we're going to make effort to make this happen. Now, look at our scriptures again. Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, sharing in the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So what's happening in this moment? In this moment, we've had Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come. He's filled the believers, the disciples that that Jesus said, just wait until he comes. So they've been filled with the, the Holy Spirit. And then Peter stands up, and Peter gives the biggest church convention that they had had thus far, right? In this new way of believing in Jesus Christ. And it said that 3,000 believed that day because of this delivering of the gospel. And in that moment, the church, the big C church, began. It originated and all the believers began to form this community 
I'm like, oh, you follow Jesus. Yeah, I follow Jesus. We need to hang out more. Like, cause they don't get it over here at the synagogue. Like, I'm, I keep telling them, but they're, they're not getting it yet. So, me and you, let's hang out. They, they had this in common. They began to do life together. If you read this, this passage, they began to share everything. And it said in there that the believers devoted themselves. What are things that we are devoted to? Because we're devoted to things every single day. So what are some of those things? Our jobs. Whether we like them, whether we don't, that's a different discussion. But we're devoted to them because we set our alarms. We get up at a certain time. We make sure we're at work at a certain time. We schedule time to be there. In other words, we know that if I work nine to five, then that's don't plan things during then, right? Unless we take vacation days because that's work time. We schedule it. Our devotion then leads to a paycheck, right? We expect when we put the work in at the job that we are devoted to, we expect a paycheck at whatever time. Other things we're devoted to. Okay, some of us are devoted to this one. I cannot... I cannot confirm or deny this for myself, but our health, right? Some people join a gym maybe, right? Because that helps with the accountability of things. When we have somebody around us working out, oh, look at them on the treadmill. I can do that on the treadmill too, right? Yeah, I, it's an accountability thing that we are devoted to because if I pay money for it, then I'm going to do it. Or maybe we join a new diet approach. Maybe we get an app on our phone that we can start logging what we eat. You know, we're devoted to trying to lose weight. And our devotion then, if we stick to that, it leads to better health. Young people, you're devoted to clubs at school. You're devoted to hobbies. You're devoted to things like that. Um, whatever that may look like, whether it's sports, whether it's your show animals, whatever. You get up early for practice or you get up early to go take care of your animals you're devoted to their well-being, and you schedule time for this. You know that there's going to be a certain time for practices. There's going to be games. There's going to be shows you have to go to. You're devoted, and your devotion leads then to, if, if you work hard enough, I can play more time. If, if I take care of these animals and I train and, and we do what we're supposed to do, we go to these shows, my devotion will lead to hopefully winning an award. Church, do you see where I'm headed with this? Every day we make decisions that shows what we're devoted to, right? Devotion means we are intentional about something. All the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship together, prayer time together. It became a priority for them. Like it was, it was what life began to focus around for them to be together, to learn together, just live life together, to help one another, showing radical hospitality to each other, and being passionate about worship together. It became a priority to learn together because you, you had this mix. You had Jews and then you had Gentiles and the Jews, they knew their Old Testament. Well, what happened? Jesus came along and said, well, I fulfilled that. And here are some things that you need to learn, you know, that we're going to live morally by from that Old Testament. Here's things that I, you know, there was all these teachings that Jesus gave them. And then you had the Gentiles who maybe they didn't know the Old Testament. So everything was brand new. So see, some of you guys, you've been in this church for, for a long time. You were born, your families, you have legacy. I came in, I was new. I didn't know it. I had the insecurities of not knowing what I thought you knew. 
So they came together in a community and devoted themselves intentional faith development. When we come together in a, in a class or a study group, it's about being devoted, about learning more and growing closer to God. Yes, it's about us connecting together and, and sharing life together. But the first thing, the first devotion we need is it's because, BJ, I do feel insecure and I do want to learn more. And I think this is the only way I know how to do that. What are the apostles' teachings that they were so devoted to? Well, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus told them, teach these new disciples. Remember, he, go, he said, go out and make disciples of the nations. And he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I had given you. So they were teaching them what Jesus had taught them. They were passing down what Jesus had been sharing in his years of ministry with them. Well, how do we do that here? How, how does that become relevant for you and I? I know the past two years, it's been crazy. I know it's not been very normal, right? Things have just, one week it feels like we are headed down a good path. The next week it feels like we're slamming the brakes on. I know that. But we've still had opportunity to have intentional faith development together. Sunday school with Diane. Adults, if, if you just want, if you like that traditional Sunday school and, and, and all it is in there is they're going through the scriptures. And Diane is helping to break that down and you're discussing different things. Children's church. We, we've been able to resume children's church. And, and guess what? Children's church is not a babysitting club. Children's church is where we are putting the gospel and, and the message of Jesus Christ and his teachings at their level for them in a setting. But I am very adamant that I believe our children learn just as much sitting in this room with us. In fact, sometimes, church, I'm afraid to say they may be learning more than some of the adults when they hand in their little pictures to me and they begin to explain or I get a video of, of how Jackson is telling his class about something from church. They may be listening more than we are as adults. They're being intentional to listen. You know, the last year we've had two book studies that we've been able to do, The, the Hope in the Dark. Um, what was our second one? I just went blank. Somebody type it in the comments. I done went blank what they say. Tell me what it is. Somebody better tell me what the last one was we did before The Chosen. All, all I can think of right now is The Chosen, but we did a, a second book. Um, oh, it was our Revelation study. I just remember that. Revelation. Did anybody get it, Thomas? Nobody got it. Oh, take their name out of the drawing. If they couldn't answer that question, they're not being intentional with me today. We had those two book studies that I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed. Like, I learned as much from everyone in the class as maybe they thought they were learning from the pastor. I don't know. I enjoyed that. We also, after we finished Revelation, we moved on and and began to watch the Chosen series, which I know got put on hold because of all the holiday gatherings and everything. Um, And we're going to resume that back in um, February. But we've had that. And even doing the reading plan together kind of became a group together as we held each other accountable. Now, here's the deal. I understand when I talk about trying to get you to join a group, join a group, join a group. I know everybody has different ways of learning. 
And that's why you're going to find me throwing out different approaches. So we do a book study. Why? Because some people, that's they love to read the books. We do just Sunday school. That's straight scripture. Why? Because that's how some love to learn. We do our reading plans, and I try to give them to you differently every year because I'm hoping that it'll connect with you in a different way. So, so maybe you don't like just straight out reading, but maybe this year you can do one verse a day. We're doing the chosen because I know some people are visual learners. I wish my teachers were sitting here with me today because I would ask them to explain how it is that people learn in different ways. And what is true as a child is still true as an adult. So I understand that we all learn differently. I understand the insecurities that you are in your 70s and you feel inadequate to be in a class because you're scared that you don't know what everybody else knows. I understand insecurities. But I also understand excuses that the enemy will convince us not to join groups. He'll convince us not to study the word with others. Why? So that you will not grow. He can't stop you from accepting grace, but he can hinder your growth. And hindering your growth then hinders you becoming all that God desires you to be. What are we passionate about? Because whatever you are passionate about, You'll be intentional about. You'll be devoted to accomplish it. Oh, I just couldn't get up this morning, Pastor. It was so hard and I missed my alarm. I may be quoting my own children here. I don't know. But here's the deal. They don't miss the alarm to go to work. They don't miss the alarm to go to ball games. They don't miss the alarm to do the things we're passionate about. So maybe it's not about being too tired. It's about not being passionate and intentional with what we're devoted to. Now, here's the big question. What happens when we practice this intentional? Remember, we're talking about fruitful congregation. So we, we want to be radically hospitable. We want to, we want to love on people. We want to be passionate about our worship in everything that we do. We want to love on God. And now we want to be intentional with our faith development. So what happens when we practice being intentional? We grow personally first. Right? Personally, by just showing up sometimes and listening. It's not always about what you have to answer questions and speak. Sometimes it's just about you listening because that sometimes is the first step to your growth is understanding that, wow, that person has the same insecurities I do. Wow, that person has struggled with the exact same things I have struggled with. Wow, that person doesn't know any more than me because they don't even have their Bible with them tonight either because they just barely got out the door. I mean, you know, sometimes just being present is the first step to growth. And then look back in in this section. So it tells us in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in the meals, and to the prayer. Okay, and then it begins to tell us a little bit more in depth what that looks like. Like in more detail, they sold their property. They shared what they had, a radical hospitality. They shared with people that were in need. They met together in their homes, 
right? And shared meals and, and they began to um, worship together with great joy, generosity. And then verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So they did all this and like they are just, wow, passionate worship at its best. But then it says this, and each day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Church, that's our mission. Each day, somebody was being saved. Why? Because this group of believers was being intentional with their faith development. They were taking it serious about what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Does that mean they all became so highly educated that they could all give a sermon? No, that's not what it's talking about because here's the deal. They're living together. They're showing radical hospitality. They're doing passionate worship. They're being intentional and learning the word together. People are watching them. And then they begin to go, hey, what's that group doing? What are they doing? Because see, each time we do a study together, I wish there was more of you that showed up. Because every time we've done a book study or a biblical study together and, and we finish and we're like, wow, that was so awesome. I wish, and we usually can name somebody we wish had been there with us, right? Because you don't understand the community you are forfeiting sometimes. Forfeiting. That means that it's something you could have had, but you gave up because you didn't come for whatever your reasons. And men of my church, I'm going to call you out, men of my church, these groups that we do are not ladies' nights. And I know, Mr. Gerald, if he was here, he'd say, well, I might differ with you since he shows up and sometimes he's the only man there with us. We need the men of our church in these studies just as much as we need the wives. I need the men of my church to step up and become the leaders to be first in line. To start maybe your own study. You're like, ah, I just don't want to sit there. I hear my wife all day, and I don't need to listen to her again during group study telling me how bad I am. Well, great. Uh, do not give me an amen, Thomas Jenkins, at the back of the church. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies, I'm, I, I miss all y'all because I, I need help here. He's, he's picking on me back there. So men, you don't want to be there? Great. Start your own group then. Start a gathering somewhere where you just share God's word together. Just do a simple reading of the word. That's okay. That's okay. Like I said, we do things different. I understand that. These new believers in the book of Acts practiced intentional faith development. And because of that, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Church, that is our purpose. Our purpose is not just to gather and have fun. Our purpose is not just to gather and, and have our little groups. Our purpose is to go into the nations and make disciples, teaching those disciples what Jesus taught the original apostles. Why? Why did new people come to be saved every day? Because the closer to God that you are growing, the more 
radical hospitality you begin to show. The more we know about who God is and who Jesus was, we know radical hospitality is at the very core of that, of just loving people. And because when you grow closer to God, when we are in these groups and we are studying, when you grow closer to God, you become more passionate in worship, in everything that you do outside of these walls as well as inside these walls. And then others will be drawn to that. To that love that they see in you. When they see you loving on a community, and when they see you being excited about your group study, it becomes contagious. And then people begin to ask questions. And they want to know about who Jesus is. And we cannot assume, even in this day and age, where it feels like we have everything at our fingertips to know, that does not mean that every person knows about Jesus. And even those that know about Jesus, maybe they've had a misrepresentation of who he is and who the church is. I alluded to this on uh, Wednesday in my little brief um, video Wednesday night of maybe they had a bad experience in church. They didn't experience radical hospitality, passionate worship, and intentional faith development. And they need to see a new picture of that to change how they look at it. Church, it's not about just being book smart and, and that draws you closer to God. No, it's not. Intentional learning with the community of believers puts us in a position of allowing God to shape and mold us. We know in Romans chapter 12 it says that we should have this transformation, this renewing of our mind. You can only do that if you study who God is. Hmm. So when you hear me announce... Um, a small group, or we remind you, Miss Diane meets Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, which she, she will resume that next week, 10 o'clock. Adults meet for Sunday school. Or, or I announce, hey, this is the day that we're going to start back doing the chosen. And, and if you don't know what the chosen is, Bo, how can people not know what the chosen is at this point? But there's still people out there that I, I speak to even on a weekly basis that like, what is that? And it's just a dramatic version of the Bible. It's not a word-for-word -word version, mind you. And, and sometimes that leads us to some really good discussions in, when we're watching the film. Of like, do you think that's really how that happened? Well, I really don't know. But it's been showing us the, the real-life thoughts of like these names that we read. They were real people and they had real lives. And it begins to open up those discussions. So when you hear me mentioning these opportunities for you to be intentional, for you to be devoted, I'm challenging you to be intentional. To be devoted to God in such a way that you say, you know what, that, that little one hour on Sunday, it's just not enough because I'm hungry for more. And you can say, well, BJ, I read my Bible at home. I, I get that. But again, God created us to be in a community of believers together. And, and there, are, there is a time. I, I do my own personal study time as well, and that is so important. I'm, I'm not telling you not to do that because that's when God speaks sometimes specifically to me in ways that doesn't happen in a group setting. 
But then there's times in a group setting I can walk away meditating on something someone said about a passage that I'm like, wow, I just never thought of it like that. And then I can go home and in that private time, God will begin to expand on that in a way I had never considered before. Church, if we want to be a fruitful congregation, and when I say that, I'm not talking about do we want to fill up the sanctuary. Because for me as a pastor, fruitful congregation means that outside of these walls, we are drawing people closer to God. We are drawing people to Jesus Christ. And if that's what we want, if we want to see that type of growth, we have to first start with ourselves. And we have to see, what's my level of radical hospitality? Am I really loving people the way God asked me to? What's my level of passionate worship? Like, do I just show up, sing some songs, and that's what I call worship? Because that's not it. That's a piece of it. But it's not it. What's my level of intentional faith development? Honestly. Not not what my intentions of faith development. My intentional. In other words, I'm showing up, putting it on the calendar, I'm making it. A priority. What level am I at? Let's pray together this morning, and I hope that maybe maybe God sparked a message in your heart about this this morning. Because my desire for, for this year is to see people stepping out of comfort zones and stepping into intentional faith, where we are devoted. We are growing as a person so that we can reach out to a community. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word again today. Thank you for the reminder of what the church is supposed to look like. Because so often uh, we miss it. With good intentions, Lord, we miss it. God, I pray for every person of this church, every person that's watching online today and, and, and days to come. God, I am just praying that you will stir in their hearts a desire One, to do life together more, and two, to grow in your word. God, I pray that there will become a hunger in every person that right now, God, your spirit is convicting hearts to know that, man, my good intentions have not been enough, has it? And begin to stir a desire to grow in your word, Lord, to grow together as a community, in your word. And Father, I, I pray over this church, may it be so that as what we read here in Acts chapter 2, may it be so in this church. That God, we, we become so passionate in all that we do, living life, being devoted to being the community of believers together, that daily numbers will be added to your kingdom. God, even if it doesn't make them a part of my church here, a church somewhere. May they become a part of your kingdom because of something they've seen in the people of this church. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for Jesus who died on that cross. And God, because of, because of that crucifixion, the, the power of sin is broken. When we repent, when we turn to you, God, that power of sin is broken. And we thank you that he rose on the third day, that God, we know that the power of death no, no longer has a hold over us. And somebody today needs to just grab on to that hope 
And that's where they start this journey, is saying, I need you, Jesus. And I need to follow you from this day forward. Father, I love every person of this church and every, every person of our online church. And, and may you just begin to open blessings and, and doorways into their life right now. Things that they, they, they weren't even looking for, Lord, but you're going to put there. And may they recognize it as the hand of you in their life. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this opportunity to still come together. And, Father, may the health and safety of this community continue to grow and improve. And, Father, I pray for our brother, Pastor Burke, today, that you'll continue to to strengthen his body day by day as he recovers. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.